1: Make sure to check out new episodes every Wednesday and every Sunday. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 Podcast with me, your host, Samuel Sage. Now, regular listeners, you might already be thinking... They haven't let Sam do it all on his own, surely. Well, let is a a polite word. Neither of them are here. So I'm free roam. I'm free to run. Basically, I didn't turn up to the midweek one. I was at another wedding. And if you did listen, you'll have heard that I thought we were going to do a show on the Friday anyway. Uh, That apparently wasn't the plan uh harry and ben have run away together i believe they're stuck in a lake on a pedalo somewhere and i refuse to help them so you are stuck with me and i come to you straight after what has turned out to be a drama filled qualifying session and i thought it was all gonna be quite chilled i thought you know max verstappen will waltz to pole position and sorry to spoil it to your folks but he has picked up another one. His 30th career pole in Formula One, which, you know, fair play to him. He's like a belter of a year. But the drama is all over the rest of the circuit. Some key talking points I always want to chat about before we go into the real topics. Firstly, at one point over the weekend already, Gunther Steiner has created a gustometer to test the wind because it's so windy out there in Qatar. 42 degrees it was today in the middle of the day. It's just holding a paper cup over the paddock, on a bit of string. It feels very late-breaking, but I absolutely love it. We are the pinnacle of motorsport, and that is a brilliant invention. Well done to you. Um, great to see Day Rouges turned up. Pure Sandstorm vibes all over the racetrack, because it's so sandy. Uh, but in terms of the actual track action... Benggs worked to wonder. Alpine, two cars in the top ten. Lance Stroll is having an absolute meltdown. We're going to be talking about that soon as well. McLaren, right at the end of the session, after looking absolutely rapid from Q1, Q2, and then seemingly Q3 have an absolute nightmare. Valtteri Bossas makes it into Q3 for the first time since Hungary. He's only done that twice before, Hungary and Miami. Carlos Sainz, Sergio Perez out in Q2. And now we have two Mercedes on the front row on well, second and third with Max Verstappen, who was mentioned earlier. Firstly, though, I want to kick off with... As much as there's been so much drama, both at the start and at the end, I actually want to start with Lance Stroll. Um, Lance Stroll knocked out in Q1. This is the fourth time in a row, and he's only made it into Q3 six times. No podiums to his name, of course. And Fernando Alonso, who has ended up in Q4 after all the drama today, has never missed Q3. Now, there were some worrying signs coming from Lance Stroll here. So firstly, the performance itself hasn't looked comfortable on that track for the entire weekend so far. We know they've only had one practice session due to it being a sprint weekend and we'll get the shootout tomorrow. And then the sprint session again on the Saturday as well before the main event on Sunday, but it didn't look good. And and some drivers do a brilliant job at being able to grasp the situation and adapt and nail their setup. And you look look at the likes of Oscar Piastri, who's still in his rookie year. And again, we'll get onto what happened to McLaren, but, Even before that, he just looks so switched on, so ready. Some drivers are really, really struggling against Sergio Perez, not making it through, the opposite going ahead. Of course, for Bottas, who got into Q3, the two Mercedes guys seem to slowly progress throughout the whole weekend so far. But Lance Stroll didn't look good in practice and has looked terrible, terrible in qualifying, being out again. And the first worrying part of me for this is not just that he's let his head drop, He gets out of the car, walks into the garage, and his PT, his personal trainer, approaches him. And we see Lance kind of duck behind the the team wall in the back of the garage, where cameras don't really get off. you know, you don't regularly get a look behind there unless something is planned. And all of a sudden, Lance lashes out at his PT. He physically pushes away, shoves his PT, which I am all for driver passion. those who are long-term listeners know that realistically I love a bit of a swear from, from drivers over the radio. I love when they get, you know, heat in the moment. I love they're going 200 miles an hour over the radio. Let it out. Then, you know, show that emotion. You're a competitor and you want the best. I'm all for, you know, letting yourself be wound up and angry. You care about this, but you can't be going around physically assaulting people because you have had a bad day and Realistically, this string of poor performances, as I mentioned earlier, four Q1 eliminations in a row now, I'm pretty certain it's the worst record of all the teams within the top seven or eight. It might be the worst record other than Logan Sargent now in terms of the eliminations. Um, Not good at all, but it's down to him. The car, whilst it was not as good as it was at the start of the season, is still more than capable of fighting at the top end of the midfield and even comfortably getting into Q3s. We're seeing it time after time after time again. And I mean time after time, every time with Fernando Alonso. Now, Fernando Alonso is a fierce competitor to have, a fierce teammate to have. People regularly call him the GOAT, Harry, of course, king of the Fernando Alonso fan club and champions him rightly so because the man is, you know, a hat full of talent at 42 years old, still turning out what ended up being a fourth place Now, I don't think any of us expect Lance Stroll to be beating Fernando Alonso across a championship, you know, in points, tallies. But the gap between them now is over 100 points between them. And it is going to cost Aston Martin, or he has cost Aston Martin. They're no longer in the fight for second place in the championship, despite looking so positive. McLaren are rapidly catching them. And it looks like Aston Martin could drop back to fifth. And arguably, Lance Stroll is the biggest reason for this. If he was able to semi-match what Fernando Alonso was doing, you know, be 20, 30 points behind him, then the conversation would be entirely different for the team. They'd still really be in that fight with Ferrari, Mercedes. McLaren have a lot more work to catch up to do, but four in a row, pushes his PT, and then we get the interview with Lance after the qualifying performance. And I'm going to come down harsh here on Lance. I don't think this whole setup to other people is fair when it's Pretty much entirely him that is responsible for the negative performances. He gives a one word response to how does he think qualifying goes? I mean, the interviewer surely, surely knows what kind of answer he's going to get. But Lance uses an expletive basically and says it was bleep. Didn't like it. Don't, don't like it. Don't want to do it again. Um, asked what he's going to do for the rest of the session. Lance says, I'll just keep driving, which fair answer seems logical. But the question has to come about of, When do Aston Martin as a team, when does Lawrence Stroll, father of Lance, step in and realise this is drastically, negatively impacting this team? Lance Stroll needs to have a whirlwind of a weekend now. He needs to nail it in the shootout tomorrow. He basically gets a second crack at qualifying to hopefully turn something around for some part of his weekend. In the sprint race itself, he needs to do better getting himself right up behind Alonso, maybe try and beat Alonso. He's only done that a couple of times all season, Spain being the big standout, where I think Alonso for 90% of the laps was driving around waving, his adoring fans. And then into the main race on Sunday, he's starting all the way at the very back, of course. He needs to buck his train, maybe go for a drive where he gets himself a couple of points. And I think that would be a good turnaround, you know, from what, 17th, 18th, or wherever he is, getting to 9th or 10th in that car, I think would be a good job. I think you could go, all right, You had a naff Friday, which is weird to say. Isn't that weird? Thank God the other two are here because they would be moaning about it endlessly. Um, But you've turned it around and you picked up some points. So hopefully he can gather his head. We see an apology about the assault that essentially happened. And again, I'm all for passion, but that is taking it too far. And... The chap manages to actually deliver because at the start of the season, he was such a feel good story. Aston Martin on the up. He, of course, immediately recovering from breaking his wrist before se- uh, the preseason. um, finishes sixth in Bahrain, has another great performance in Jeddah and the first four or five races. He was really doing well. He was sticking with Fernando. While Fernando was beating him, he was there or thereabouts. But he is the only driver now inside that top five teams to not have a podium. You've got to remember that Pierre Gasly and Ocon behind them have also both had podiums. So really, really disappointing. Let's hope he turns it around, quite worrying that um, it's got to the point now where he's lashing out like this. Someone does need to sit down with him. So, Let's go on to the chaos that happened at the very end of qualifying there. And, you know, if you switched off and you thought, oh, Max Verstappen's going up a car before everyone else has even finished their laps, and uh, what do you mean I've missed chaos after? What's happened? Well, track limits, sandy tracks, a gusty track with wing-blowing cars all over the place. And, of course, the fact that the FIA can't deliver their own penalty system on time during their sessions means that we had silliness. Pure silliness come the end of qualifying. So Verstappen's there. He's got pole position. He's out there in the the cool-down area getting his weighing, shaking hands, towel on, having a drink. Great time for him. Nando Norris comes round the, uh, the track comes over the radio, uh, essentially saying how stupid he is. He's run wide again. He's got some oversteer. He's flicked it back to try and gather the car. The car goes wide. Lap time deleted. And he definitely had the timing to get himself second on the grid. And realistically, Piastri himself admitted that he wasn't doing brilliantly either. McLaren are arguably the second fastest car on the grid this time around, quite comfortably. I think they've got the legs on Mercedes. And I think because Ferrari are so... Wind sensitive, I know i you know, well, I'm not going to wind. That sounds a bit naughty. But my point is Ferrari don't like a gust of wind up the backside. It does send them outside of track limits a lot. And how many mistakes we see both Leclerc and Sainz making? Again, Sainz out in Q2, it cost him dearly. But McLaren have by far got the car capability here to nail comfortably a second and third. And if something happens to Verstappen or they get a great run, the wing is on. There is a chance for victory for McLaren, and they could be the third team this season to take a race victory, of course, after Ferrari did it with Carlos Sainz in Singapore. Ben and Harry's bold predictions is that McLaren will win, or in Ben's sake, Norris will win one of the races this weekend of the spring of the main race. So we'll see how much that's going to happen, but it's looking less likely. Landon Norris drops from second place to 10th, and Oscar Piastri drops from fourth, I believe, to sixth place after essentially post-qualifying lap times deleted. Absolutely priceless scenes because you've got Piastri being interviewed, um, you know, after we've had Verstappen and then Norris has been removed and then Piastri's turned up and after Russell and he's gone, oh, I'm a bit confused, not really sure what's going on. And then on the screen comes up, Oscar Piastri, lap time deleted. Um, and he just goes out. Okay, then. See you later. Bye. And now Lewis Hamilton is secondly third, so we've got a Russell Hamilton two three right behind Max Verstappen. Which I'm not going to lie, folks, between you and me, the lot of you that listen, it's actually a bit of a shame. I genuinely don't think Mercedes have got what it takes over this weekend to challenge Red Bull in any capacity. I think McLaren might just, and I think this means that we might unfortunately have a slightly more dull affair out the front now. For those that listen to the midweek, you'll know that I did a bit of a call in for my bold prediction and said that Max Verstappen will have his most dominant weekend uh, in this season so far for him. You know, he'll take pole position. Check. Is he going to take spring shootout pole tomorrow? I reckon it's going to happen. We'll take the wing in the spring and probably the championship. And then he will dominate the race on Sunday. So I'm, I'm looking rosy so far, but it does mean for you know us as viewers, it's not going to be a thriller. But Qatar, what do you think of the track? I really want to know. Listeners, let me know. Discord, uh, Late Breaking F1 on all social media, or speak to me as well if you'd like. If you just want to go, have, oh, Sam's doing what Have a chat with him. Samuel Sage F1 on Twitter, and I'm on Instagram as well. Um, give me a follow, Samuel Sage. Come and let me know what you think about the track of Qatar, because it's only the second time we've been here. We've got this new surfacing. The sand was everywhere. The wind was kicking up. It feels like a real driver's track at the moment. It feels like those who are able to, to get the car around and eke out a performance and, and nail the limits up to it and not over are the ones who are rewarded. And it is brilliant that we're seeing lap extensions punished properly now. The only thing, of course, that has let us down is that the FIA, again, are not enforcing this fast enough. And I do think this is going to become a nightmare scenario again through the sprint race and even more so on Sunday in the main event. Do you remember Austria? Um, we had an absolute ton of lap extensions and they were flying in and certain people were getting penalties. Some people had got black and white flags. Some people got stuff after the race. No one knew what the true order was in terms of penalties. Do you remember Lando Norris calling out Lewis Hamilton, who was in front of him at the time, going, he's extending every lap on this corner. Penalties start rolling in. I do think we could have a repeat here. The FIA have proven time and time again that enforcing their own rules is a nightmare for them. They struggle to do it. They can't keep up with the process. And unless they get on top of this and have multiple people weighing in to help them with the evidence and the the ordering of what's going on, I think they could very quickly be overwhelmed with this. Speaking of FIA rule sets, another one that's been brought up in conversation is the fact that we've got this maximum lap time that you're allowed to do around the track. Um, The fact that, you know, both Ferraris came on who were running alternate time strategies, they were going out onto the track basically when no one else was on there. And they were saying, it doesn't work because we spend our entire in-lap getting out of the way for the cars that have started to come out, that we are so below the delta that we're allowed to be, despite being safe, despite getting out of the way, that it's not, enforceable because we're not doing anything wrong. And if we put our foot down, we block someone on their lap. Or if we don't put our foot down, we're under the delta time. So clearly the system isn't perfect. Clearly it's working. And once again, the FIA found themselves in a bit of a predicament that means that... um that means they can't enforce their own rules. Now, we're going to take a really, really quick break. I promise you. And this is going to be a relatively shorter episode because it's just me waffling on, just chatting. So we're going to um, come back after the break. We're going to talk about Science and Perez being out in Q2. We're going to talk about Hamilton's uh, possibilities of picking up P2 of the championship after what happened with Perez. And I'll see his promotion and qualifying. And um, we'll also get us set up for the rest of the weekend. So stick with me. See you after the break. Have a sandwich. And I'll, uh, I'll catch you in a jiff.
0: plus.
1: Hello, we're back from the break. I honestly, folks in qualifying, I was just trying to have a curry. I, after this wedding, I was absolutely exhausted and we ordering a curry. I thought I'm not cooking tonight. This lovely chicken tikka curry. And I was really just minding my own business. And you know, all this drama's cropped up and now I'm trying to have a cup of tea while I record this podcast. And honestly, it's going cold because I am still all this talking and usually Ben or well, it's not Harry, is it? Because he's never here, but Ben would usually take over a bit and have a chat or ask me some questions. And I get a chance to have a, 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 a drink of me drink, which is funny. Um, sometimes you'll often hear the, my, my bottle, you know, here we go. Look, this is a live example. You'll hear this a lot. That squeak is my drinks bottle that allows me to stay hydrated because I natter on. So What's the chat about? We are going to go through Science of Press out in Q2. Hamilton's chances of picking up P2 in the championship. And I also want to give a little mention, before we go into those two details, of Valtteri Bottas. Valtteri Bottas and the Alfa Romeo gets into Q3 for only the third time this season. Uh, Zhou Guangyu out in Q1, so he's done brilliantly there. And the last few times he gave this were both Hungary and Miami. Now, firstly, I don't think that Alfa Romeo is actually... Really capable of being in, um, in Q3. I think he's outdriven the car. I think he, he benefiting as well from the lap time deletions. But as I said earlier, you only benefit from the lap time deletions by being good enough to maximize the track without going outside of those lap times yourself. And Perez and Sainz, who both got the lap times deleted, promoted him into Q3 deservedly so, because he was able to get the lap time without breaking those rules. And it meant that he got a shot at Q3. And because of Norris's failure as well, he isn't P10 either. He's been moved up, I believe, to P9. So Valtteri's got a good shot here at picking up points. I don't know how well that Alfa is going to do in race trim. If he can maybe get a bit lucky with a safety car, if maybe he can run in the DRS, if he can stay close to those around him, those in front of him. He's around the Alpines, who we know aren't the speediest, um, there is a chance that Alpha Romeo could pick up some points and it would, I believe, put Bottas pretty much clear ahead in the um, teammate wars, which we'll review at the end of the season, of course. But Bottas deserves a shout out because he does so well, it seems, at these very low grip tracks. Of course, because of the new surfacing, the sand, the wind, the cars were really struggling to grip up. They were really struggling to maximise lap times. And we saw that a lot of cars went out on mediums in their first run in Q1, had to very quickly come back in and put on softs because the delta between the two compounds is just wild when the track is this low grip. Now Bottas has a history of success at low grip tracks. Miami has already been proven with how he qualified earlier in the season. Hungary is quite regularly a low grip track and he did really well there. And if you cast your minds back, and you might be new to Formula One, but those who remember, well, he was Lewis Hamilton's teammate. He regularly beat Hamilton at Russia, Sochi, um, which famously is a really, really low grip track. And he was able to maximise those key areas. Maybe it's a, a Finnish thing, maybe because they're so good on their, on there the rally with the gravel, understanding how, you know, wheel spin works. Maybe, maybe it's, a, it's all in the DNA and those gorgeous Nordic men just know how to handle a car. But he really does deliver in these slightly extreme scenarios. So props to Bottas, deserves a shout out, hopefully, him and Alfa Romeo can turn something around properly in the race and really deliver on Sunday. And maybe we'll see something similar in the spring. I uh, will review that again tomorrow on Saturday. I believe at least Ben is back. Never can be too sure with Harry. Right, let's talk about the real juicy stuff, shall we? Firstly, Sainz and Perez out in Q2. What does this mean? Let's start with Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz out in Q2. Of course, only won a race, two races ago. He's been looking pacey. Right, you know, I would argue that since the summer break, he has being the faster Ferrari driver. He's kind of had Charles Leclerc in his in his pocket, and he's been running the pit wall. But here, he's not able to maximise this. And he, he thought he had it. He crossed the line uh, in Q two, and he said, "Have we got it? We've got it." And they kind of said, "No, we do not got it," um, which is a, a shame for Sainz because Leclerc gets through, and he will have to battle through some traffic. But it appears that the Ferrari is shocking around here. It is not capable of handling strong gusts of wind, especially if they are coming across the car. I think it was turn five and turn six, almost every lap. They were getting hit with the crosswind. The car was a snapping, and then they were having to run off the track. It diluted their lap, and they could never get a really solid, rapid lap timing. And this, of course, led to Sainz being... um kicked out in Q2. And Leclerc wasn't exactly prosperous in Q3. So it might be a really difficult weekend for them after all the success they've had recently and arguably better than Mercedes quite consistently. They could lose out massively here, both to Mercedes and to McLaren, if they don't get it together for the actual point scoring scenarios that we've got coming up in the weekend. The other big name, of course, which I feel like I've talked about too much, and I am sorry to those who are Sergio Perez fans, because it must be so frustrating to constantly hear some negative comments, but Perez out in Q2 again, he's now, I think missed 50% of Q3 appearances across the whole season, maybe slightly under, I think this is race 16 and he's not been in Q3 seven times. So yeah, just under 50%. And you can argue that, sure, you know, there should be a little bit of forgiveness and, and your teammates, Max Verstappen, who is a literal god of driving a race car, right? He's one of the greatest we've ever seen at this point. The man is going to keep breaking of all kinds of records. But, but, well, you can't even get it into Q3 and the car seemingly is fine. You know, Max was happy to get out after, he, he rang wide and he was like, yeah, well, I'm still comfortable anyway. There's no problems. It, it seems like Perez mentally, especially since the summer break, I'd argue maybe since Miami, but especially since the summer break and we came back, he has dropped off hugely in form, you know? It's it's not been a great run for him. And this is looking worse and worse when seemingly Lawson is getting another shot and doing well. Daniel Ricciardo, they've got faith in him to be an alpha Tower, despite not realistically having much of a shot in the car. And actually... I'm going to contradict myself immediately. This multitude of choice for Red Bull and AlphaTauri in the family that is Red Bull Racing might be his one saving grace. It might be, you know what, Sergio? Whilst you're not impressing us, whilst you might be letting us down, we did win the Constructors title and we just don't know what option to replace you with because we haven't seen enough of any of them. They might all be better than you. They might not be. But because we've barely seen them because we've had to chop and change so many times... We actually don't know what the best option is to change anyway, so you're going to get some more time. It might be that that is the case. Because of this, Lewis Hamilton, of course, starts P3. He's been behind George Russell pretty much the whole weekend so far, and that was proven again in... um, in qualifying, despite being on top spot for Q2, doesn't mean too much, unfortunately, doesn't set the grid. Um, He was a couple of tenths behind again, George Russell. I believe that's now 9-8 in the qualifying record to George Russell, which is no mean feat. You've got to remember how many pole positions that Lewis Hamilton has had and how much success he has had on, in theory, a Saturday, but in this case, the Friday session. So the fact that he's gone 9-8 to Hamilton shows that whilst Russell is not having the best time on race day, on the one lap pace, he's still smashing it. But... Points are typically won, apart from a sprint race, on a Sunday. And he does need to start picking those up. But Hamilton is in contention for P2 in this championship. I believe he's just 33 points behind Sergio Perez. And if the same happens in terms of performances for the Saturday, for the sprint, let's just say Hamilton, I don't know, finishes in fourth. And then in the race, Hamilton finishes in third. He's going to pick up there. I think it's in total, it'll be 20 points if Perez doesn't make up any points, if the traffic is hard, the dirty air affects him, he runs wide, he has an accident. And to be fair, I think if it was Max Verstappen, you go, well, that's not going to happen, you'll make it through. But Perez's performances are sceptical. They're not assured. We don't know if he can pull it all the way through to pick up the strong points again. Lewis Hamilton, with I think, what, six races to go, could in theory close that gap to Perez to maybe 10, 12 points, which... With how up and down that Mercedes has been, arguably not the second best car and hasn't been since the summer break, that would be a real performance from Hamilton and a real disappointment on the side of Perez. Now, you have to ask yourself, I suppose, ignoring what Red Bull think from a Perez-only point of view, his personal objectives, his personal goals, didn't pick up P2 in the championship last year. Charles Leclerc got it. Didn't pick up Peter in the championship in 2021, of course, because that had the Hamilton of a staffing fight and they lost the Constructors' Championship because of Perez's performances. Um, and this will be a third year in a row where he has not been able to be runner-up to his teammate in any capacity. At what point, mentally, does that go, I just don't have it to be at this very, very top spot? And what worries me is if McLaren's threat next year is real, if Ferrari can turn something around, if Mercedes suddenly understand what is wrong with their car, Is Sergio Perez, the man that is going to be able to, in the under pressure scenarios, give Red Bull the leg up? Is he going to be able to give them the extra few points that they need to overcome fierce rivalries, these fierce battles that might happen? And week after week after week, I feel the answer is being more and more compounded to no. Sergio is, by all means, a fantastic racing driver but he's not a world champion in terms of both future or ability. He is not a consistent race leader and he is not able to regularly duel it out with most of the top drivers. I'm going to be harsh here. You know, I think Verstappen is better. Hamilton is better. Russell is better. Science and Leclerc are better. Norris is better. Alonso is better. Piastri at the moment is performing better. Of course, we haven't got the longevity of results to see what the difference is between the two over multiple seasons, but currently the outlook looks better for Piastri. So out of those top teams, the only person worse than Perez, it feels like is Stroll and Aston Martin of the team that are the least threatening so far. So, it's a big question for Red Bull. Hamilton has got a P2 potentially on his hands that he could pick up coming of the season if the performances are still in a slum for Sergio Perez. And it's a little bit of a worrying sign. You 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 don't want to have one of your big issues as a team be 50% of the side that could score you your actual points, that win you prizes, that give you the money that you need at the end of the season. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see what the they make, if they make any at all. Um how long we done here? 27, 28 minutes. That's all right, isn't it? I'm all on my own. I'm a little bit out of breath. feel a bit tired. Tell you what, folks, I am um, hungover. Got very, very drunk. Did a lot of dancing. Quick, bit, bit hoarse as well from the singing. I did the whole of Lib Biscuit break stuff on my own. Uh, I haven't sung that for a while. Still smashed it. I because that is quite literally in the song. Anyway, I'm going to leave you to it. Um, make sure you give Ben and Harry lots of abuse and hate because I haven't turned up and I've done this all on my own for the very first time. And they may never let me do this ever again. Um, we'll be back straight after the sprint race for another catch-up episode. Aren't you all lucky? So please, 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 please keep shooting. Um, but from the three of us, we have had our three, four months single row have been our best ever. Our audience is getting more and more massive. This, this, the live show is obviously at Cota and that sold out instantaneously. You are making this a career possibility for us. We are, you know walking slowly towards doing this full time and it is both mind-boggling and breathtaking and humbling so thank you thank you thank you please get with us we'll be back again as well on the sunday for the qatar race review and we'll be looking at all things racing uh any drama what the stewards are doing and of course reviewing our bold predictions where one of us at the end of the season with the lowest amount of points will have to give up their twitter page for the day and the other two could do pretty much within reason whatever it is they they're one um love you all dearly join the discord for the race weekend if you haven't already and i will hopefully see you with another co-host come the sprint review in the meantime i've been samuel sage and remember keep breaking late boy. really please please come back
0: sports social podcast network